If music can be seen as a microcosm of the world, just like in real life, subgroups are formed, chopped up, separated, and compartmentalized into perfect little boxes that one is expected to fit into. These divisions are ridiculous. When you take a look at the characteristics used to separate, it all rests on something so minuscule, the sequence of chords on a guitar and how you play those chords, what bands you name drop, or what pants you wear. Basically, high school stuff. Much like in real life where race and class divisions rest on skin color, what neighborhood you live in, or, again, what pants you wear. Frighteningly, we all know these self-appointed gatekeepers, these self-appointed tastemakers who make up these rules as the grand wizards in regional scenes or as imperial wizards masquerading as critics in highly touted music sources are well beyond high school age. When you've been on the receiving end of the rebuff like me, where I had to eat their distaste for our band because they thought us too lowbrow or me too uppity, you do start to build a thick skin and a natural knee-jerk, knee-in-the-balls for these types of people. But that's what happens when squares take over. They put everything in squares. I've always gravitated to what pushed boundaries and seemed extreme. My fandom for Kiss when I was six was because, at that age, they were the most extreme thing I had ever laid eyes on. As I grew up, I moved on to other extreme representations of music. I slowly found my way. I put it all together and developed my own musical taste. Being a natural-born mutt myself, bands or musicians that crossed over or mixed it up appealed to me. Last episode, we had Ernie C. of Body Count, and Body Count were a band that definitely mixed things up to concoct new depictions of what heavy music was supposed to look and sound like. The Bad Brains were a band that unflinchingly played reggae alongside punk rock. The Beastie Boys played hardcore alongside rap. Celtic Frost also screwed with genres on Into the Pandemonium. I like that. Other groups like Soundgarden, Suicidal Tendencies, The Jimi Hendrix Experience, Sly and the Family Stone with their mixed race lineups. All these groups had a lasting impression on me and something that I reflect in my own band today. While music pundits gloss over rock or try to expound on it having never really walked its path, they always miss the aberrations. It's always been these aberrations that catch my eye. After Motley Crue and Rat became the victors of the Sunset Strip, the search was on for their successors. The second wave, or the Big Five as it should be known, came in the form of Guns N' Roses, L.A. Guns, Faster Pussycat, Poison, and Jet Boy. The world knows Guns N' Roses and Poison, but only a slice knows of Jet Boy. Make no mistake, though, Jet Boy were on the front line of bands back in the day, the next band to be the next big thing. They did manage to acquire the much sought-after major label record deal, two, in fact, but fate had other plans. If you think you know a thing or two about the L.A. scene, then you should know Jet Boy have a prominent seat on its dais. And the reason for my preamble about aberrations and mutts and crossing over is because Jet Boy, to an impressional, insecure little mutt like me, were an anomaly, mainly because of singer Mickey Finn and his very renowned mohawk. It flummoxed me. What I heard was a rock band, but saw them fronted by a punk rocker. Could you do that? 
And that impression stayed with me for years. I also loved Feel the Shake. After two albums, the band packed it in around 1992, and that was it. Music changed almost overnight with the Nevermind album, and there wasn't too much room for a lot of bands anymore. After two decades of silence, the band released an EP in 2010, and only last month, 29 years after the release of their last full length, the band have come roaring back with Born to Fly. What a return to form. It's 12 cuts of party-inducing rock that show the band hasn't missed a beat. In fact, they seem to have learned a few more during the absence. I caught up with guitarist and founding member Billy Rowe during my LA trip to NAM, a day before the release of Born to Fly. Billy was at the NAM convention to tend to his main job, owner of Rock and Roll Relics, where he builds custom guitars with utmost craftsmanship. Having musicians as prestigious as Glenn Campbell, Billy Joe Armstrong, Bruce Kulick, Ace Von Johnson, Derek St. Holmes, Bob Rock, and Rick Nielsen as his customers is proof Billy knows guitars. There was lots to talk to Billy about, and I really want to continue our conversation on a future episode. Nam is a volcano of sound, a lot of it unwanted sound, but we managed to find one of the few quiet spots at the convention, the parking lot. All's good. It was a pleasure to talk to Billy. I want to say thank you to everyone enjoying the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud and now Spotify. We are now on Spotify, so subscribe and enjoy. Here we go. Billy Rowe of Jetboy is this episode's guest on the official Danko Jones podcast, and it starts now. The Danko Jones podcast is the best around. They play the kid as Danko's crew of Dello for free. I'm sad, but I like to sometimes. Jimmy in from Fuck Down. Stop playing Hang Down Down. Hey, it's the Danko Jones podcast. You can check us out iTunes and SoundCloud right now, right now, cause it's the Danko Jones podcast, check us out right now. I feel it's absolutely compulsory for you to listen to the Danko Jones podcast. Many times Liz and I camped out in front of our Fisher 500 hi-fi receiver, hanging on Danko's every word. It's what we used for inspiration when we both starred in Under Milkwood. We even got Peter hooked by the end of the production. The Peter O'Toole, that is. <laughs> I implore you to go now and listen to Danko expound on subject matter most of us don't even think twice about. Listen to him. Turn anything into podcast gold. It's simply fantastic. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, get ready because the Danko Jones podcast starts <laughs> Hey, Billy. How you doing, man? Good. How are you? How am I? I feel like a kid with a fanzine right now. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Being at NAMM is another... Yeah, it's insane here. Um, Yeah, so we must acknowledge first Scotty Slam, our mutual friend, is responsible for this. Exactly. Meeting up. But I met you in 2010 
when we were cruising through the West Coast. Yeah, yeah, that was in uh, Santa Rosa, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Now at the time, you know, I I remember Jet Boy from back in the day, um, and I was surprised. I was expecting, you know, he just said Billy from Jet Boy, so I was expecting you to walk in with a mohawk, but that's that was that's yeah, it was yeah. Mickey, right? Mickey, so yeah. that's what made you guys memorable to me being in Toronto watching you your videos right. is you were part of that LA scene but you had this singer who kind of looked like a punk rocker so I was like uh, confused as to where to slot you because you know that's what you did back then you right. slotted bands yeah, in certain yeah, yeah. categories exactly. um, and I'm uh, admittedly surprised that Jet Boy are back and stronger than ever in 2019. You've got a new album. And uh, I, I'm not saying this because you're in front of me, but it's it's really strong. It's really good. It's very um, contemporary as well as uh, a throwback. It's like a throwback, very contemporary, modern throwback, strong rock and roll album. That's awesome. I mean that's what we wanted to do, and I think I think it's more time is for you know our time is more now you know, like I say with the mohawk and all that it did give us that you know we did it our you know Mickey was the punk rock guy we all grew up on the seventies rock and Kiss and Aerosmith and all that but he went deep into exploited and GBH and you know when that stuff was new and I thought that's what gave you like an edge it did it did give us an edge yeah. and, and I think but at, at the same time it was like you know you hear about bands who are ahead of themselves I think in a lot of ways that put us made us more ahead of ourselves because there were challenges when we did that first record of, of the label like oh no it's a little too intense looking maybe poof it out a little bit you know we were like what the hell you know it's like you know we were you know those were little, that was the time. That was the time, yeah. you know, because Mohawks were, you know, you had the Plasmatics and Jean Beauvoir and stuff like that. But Right, that you would know. have been a good cue for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But still, you know, that still was far different from the scene we came from because yeah. everybody else was, you know, Hanoi Rocks were the gods, you know, yeah. the Michael Monroe look and the whole, you know, Annie McCoy and all that. So, For, for people who are listening, we need to place Jet Boy in proper context historically you guys were part of the second wave. You were the <coughs> first string all-star band of the second wave of L.A. rock after the Rats and the Motley Crews got their deals and their stardom. Right. You with Guns N' Roses and Poison, and you were the second wave. Yeah, I, I think it was... Uh, it must Boy. be stated. Yeah, I mean, it was. It was like when Vern and I used to go to L.A., we were looking for a singer. This was like 83, you know, that's when uh, Fern and I became friends with Izzy and Axel, and we were all into this, we were into Girl and Hanoi Rocks, Lords of the New Church, and, you know, Kicks, and that's where we all connected, and through the years, you know, a year later, we had our bands going, and, you know, we had had Poison back then, and then along comes Faster and L.A. Guns, and it was yeah, the... Faster as well. Part yeah, of it was the next wave. wave, and so we were like, you know, they say the big four with... Metallica and, and, and that it's like the big four was kind of like it could be the big five with you know GNR, Jet Boy, Faster, LA Guns and Poison you know for that era those were the bands right. so. it must be stated I mean you know um, you guys uh, didn't achieve the success of Guns N' Roses but it must be stated that you guys were neck and neck with with those bands at yeah. the time and and these days kids are trying to like 
get back to these roots and figure it out, jigsaw it all together. Mm-hmm. So it, it's got to be said. So to help them on their way, Jet Boy was definitely a part of that whole second wave. Yeah, I agree. And, and, and with this new record, that's a big part because, you know, we're starting to do interviews and stuff. A lot of people don't know that history. You know, we did get, we got lost in a political label bullshit game basically we got dropped by Electra and then we got the album got held back a year by the time it came out on MCA which everybody knows is our label uh, it was a year old and all these other bands started passing forward and everybody passed us up and the success of Poison and Guns N' Roses and LA Guns and it just became you know bad timing well I wanted to ask you about that Electra thing because you guys are originally from San Francisco right yeah and Metallica seemed to be in 86 the big Electra band and they're from San Francisco mm-hmm. was there some sort of thing within the label like oh this is where the scene's at this this band Metallica and not this band Jetboy no or do you not know no there music? wasn't there was no connection there was a guy who was at Enigma Records Steve Cross and went over to Electra and he started following us during when he was at Enigma and uh, when he got to Electra he basically signed the band but nothing to do with the Metallica even though you know I've known Kirk Hammett since I was 17 we grew up as you know as my mom had a clothing store his brother used to live around the corner and I think he bought his first pair of Spanx at my mom's clothing store when he Kirk? Was Kirk, when he was in Exodus. This is way back. I'm mean, going to go way back from him, with him. Would, would Paul Bailiff have, have approved? Yeah, yeah. I think Paul may have worn spandex back then, too. All those guys. Those were, it was funny. When Jeff Boy started, we would play, since we had the punk rock vibe, all those guys. I grew up with all those guys. Ron Quintana and, and like, the whole metal scene. I was into that whole new wave of British heavy metal scene. Then I went, discovered Hanoi Rocks, got all glam, but... Those guys used to... I think most of those guys met their wives at our shows. <laughs> so it's like, you right. know, we're all still good friends. You right, know? right. Well, like, I just remember growing up and that those two scenes, like, between, like, the rock and roll glam scene and the thrash scene was so divided, much like yeah. punk rock and, and metal was. Like, factions were... Nowadays, everybody's, like, all cool with everything. Right, right. I, I kind of miss the divisions because yeah, you felt like you were on a team yeah, yeah but yeah it's cool that you can you know walk down the street with a striper record and no one's going to give you shit about it <laughs> but still i i want to know i want to pick your brain about that because metallica less than someone like like paul bailoff but they sided with all that shit and like how is it you seem to be caught in the middle of that yeah, we were kind of caught in the... I guess we were caught in the middle, but again, funny enough, I, you know, known Kirk since I was for so many years, and the guys in Exodus, and so many friends from that metal side, you know, the, the Ian Callens, and, you know, there was Rampage Radio and all that. We were all friends, so there was another... There was a scene outside of the Jet Boy thing, because, you know, like, pose, posers die, as they would say back then. Well, all right, but, okay. You know, uh, I think we're the, we were the one band that brought that thing together. Because the old Jet Boy shows, you would have punk rockers, you have glam, tons of girls, and you'd have metalheads. Right. They all went. Right. You know, it was because we we didn't want to exclude anybody. We just kind of, not that we planned it, but it was it was that way. So, you know, 
<coughs> was a lot of division then. You know, there really yeah. was. You had Broadway in San Francisco, and you had the Stone, the Mabuhe, and then rock on Broadway. There's a lot of punk rock at the, the Mabuhe and the on, and, and the on Broadway, and then the Stone was more rock and metal. But then it was it was just you know two yellow lines. You know, you cross the street and you're mismatched, and it's kind of what happened. But behind the scenes, everybody's all the bands are cool with each other. Kind of in a lot of ways, in a lot of ways, yes, yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. Yeah, that's really cool. I think I that's think so. yeah. See, I didn't know that at the time. Mm-hmm. If I had knew that about Jet Boy and Metallica, right, it could have bridged a lot more gaps for me and helped me figure out right where, where to place you guys. Right. Just as a kid, you know, like I just didn't know. I didn't know what to think of you guys, mainly right. because of. Mickey's Mohawk. Sure, sure. But it did, did add cred. It added, it, it, it added, added cred it, for it, yeah. a section of a right. demographic of people. Yeah, for sure. For yeah. sure. So you're, you're back now with this new album. And I mean, I don't want it to be like an interview. I'd much rather just want to uh, pick yeah. your brain about oh, yeah. I could, well, I could talk all that. Kiss with you all yeah, you, yeah, you emailed <laughs> me about that, right? And, <laughs> and Motorhead. Yeah, Motorhead, of course. I mean, we can go on and on about Kiss. Oh, yeah. but these days, I'm not, not happy with some of the things they're doing, but... Yeah, that, that, that's going to happen with a lot of bands in a lot of ways. I guess so. You know, but, uh, but you came out charging with this new album. How's it been? It's not out yet. It's on Frontiers. Yeah, it's coming out tomorrow. So oh, really? The 25th of January. So. Really, oh, well, this is going to air after. So it'll be out. Wow, what an album, man. Yeah, I'm Everyone's gonna... loving it now. Everyone's got a copy. No. <laughs> <laughs> right. um, but... Um, it is very strong, and Frontiers is a, a label that is interesting to me. It is interesting. They have... From a, Italy. From Italy, and they have a lot of old bands from the 80s. Glad that someone's, you know, doing it. Yeah, I think it's great. Yeah. You know, and the door swung up, and from them, out of the blue, you know? We've always talked about doing stuff. We've done spot shows through the years since we kind of got back together in, in 20, 2006 or something, but nothing... Nothing major, but this really pulled us together and like. Was this you approaching them or? No, they approached us, which is even better. That's great. So yeah. that they kicked you. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. So. Wow, that's cool. And it's wow. all new material. All this, this whole record. It's no scraps from the old days. Great. Yeah, like some people redo stuff just to yeah. keep it going. Right. Um, I noticed the video. Is it what's it called? Born. Born to fly. Born to fly. Yeah. Andy Galeon is on drums. Yes, he is, yeah. And you and him are in a band? I did not know this, yeah, man. Yeah, we have a cover band called The Butlers. And we do basically, it's, it's basically deep tracks of all the stuff we grew up on, from, from like Old Thin Lizzy, UFO, and down to Nazareth, The Pistols, uh, Old Def Leppard, High and Dry Era. You know? Nice. And uh, yeah, it's, it's awesome. You know? um, were you guys in another band together? Uh, with Andy? Yeah. No, but when Andy and in Death Angel, one of our probably our third show and probably Death Angel's third show was us. I don't remember who was first, Death Angel or Jet Boy, but we supported Wasp in 1985. I think Andy so was like first 14. Album. Yeah, yeah, that's when I I got into Death Angel on Ultraviolence. Yeah, so this is this is pre that for sure. This is probably a couple of years when so we were. He was 12. He was yeah. He could have been 12 or 13. Yeah. And that's like first Wasp album, self-titled. Yeah, exactly. That's the best album for me. And that's how it was back then with Jet Boy. We would do shows like that, but then 
a month later be playing across the street of the Mabuhay with the toy dolls. Right. And it totally worked. Right. Like, I get that because we're kind of like that too. Like, we, we can play like metal shows, mm-hmm. like not shows, but metal festivals. Right. More like ear relief mm-hmm. from all the pummeling we're yeah. used as that. But everybody, nobody says anything. And we're able to uh, vaunt back and forth between the two worlds. Right. Um, but it does leave a lot of people confused, right. I've observed. Right. Did you find being in Jet Boy having to always clarify and tell people, like, what band you are? Yeah, a lot of, I think so. But the Mohawk definitely threw people off, and it was... I got it, the rest of the band, we all understood it, but when you get out of your, you know, basically we got out of L.A., and you're playing Texas, and, you right. know, South Carolina and stuff like that, people, it hadn't reached there yet, people didn't get it, you know, there were fans that did, but it wasn't a large right. amount of fans, you know, right. so it's just, it's one of those things, I grew up on bands that, you know, were ahead of their time too, in the, in the 70s and, and even 80s so Hanoi Rocks I always bring them up they were far ahead of their time and Sammy Yaffa ended up joining Jet Boy that's also something that should be noted yeah which was for us was amazing it was insane you yeah. know you know like that influence it, influence sight. and then he is in the band how and, did that happen uh, well we were you know it, it's noted out there with our relationship with Guns N' Roses what happened with our former bass player and he ended up dying mm-hmm. you know um after we let him go from the band and our manager said if you could have any bass player who would you want and we were like I think I just said Sam Yaffa would be amazing and she did some investigation and got a message to him and he heard a demo and flew over and didn't go back (laughs) it was was unreal that's crazy yeah it was great we're still pals to this day have you seen his uh, show I haven't seen his show because for some reason I can't seem to get it on any yeah, anything out here. And, and yeah, it's only in Europe, Netflix. Yeah, yeah. But it's out on DVD, I think. It could, yeah, it could be. I'll, I'll have to get it for sure. Cause, I've uh, seen like one season and a half. Uh huh. It's really. It's really so good. Sammy. I mean, we, him and I lived together for years. Like when, the whole time, we were roommates up to the very end until he moved back to New York to play with Mike. And he would always play very collective, you know, music. I'd be waking up to him like, what is this? You know, and I'd have no idea. I'd be like fully, exactly what he's doing with the show. Right. So it's like so perfect for him. He's okay. just, he's, yeah, he's a great person. He's, he's really good for, like the show's really interesting to watch. And I could see he's a kind, he's got a personality that very likable and, and, and anybody can kind of get along with him. Yeah. He's, he's that way. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. Um, we've run into him across the pond a few times. We played with Michael Monroe last summer. Oh, really? So, yeah, and we were in Helsinki one night, and the Backyard Babies were playing, and uh-huh. he was backstage, and I had just started watching his show. Oh, so I'm nice. like, oh, my God, dude, I just saw you today. You're, <laughs> you're talking to some dude in Nigeria. Yeah, <laughs> You know, exactly. like some crazy thing. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's a cool – he was on the podcast. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I listened to that. Oh, song. cool. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so the... Podcast, yeah. Oh, so cool. Like big time. Oh, that's great. Um, so that's cool. And, and then you're here at NAM, and we're in the parking lot at NAM because it's so fucking loud in there. I mean, if there's 
any way to turn me off of rock and roll and music, just just stay there for like three days, <laughs> like you're gonna do. Uh, it's a good thing you you finished writing and recording the new album before Nam. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's because you have your own booth. Yeah, I do. I, I found you through the map, the Nam map, rock and roll relics. Yeah. What's all that about? Uh, it's a, it's I you know I've always been in the guitars and uh, building shit since I was in high school, and really it came down to like what the hell am I going to do with myself I started seeing this little fad of the aged guitars and I started just building stuff for fun and it just slowly turned into a company I got my own brand it's all classic style stuff with a couple of our own you know designs and stuff but it's uh, I got I got stores all over the world right now and um, it's what I do so you build it from yeah we build them from scratch Uh, you know we work with you know there's CNC machines that cut all the wood and all that you know yeah. that part but it's all hands-on I do all the finish work all the aging I got one guy full-time but I'm looking for probably another two because we're doing you know close to over 200 guitars a year now wow. and it's uh, it's great. it's insane you know um, but it's awesome it's, I've been doing some work for some cool people you know I did we did a limited run with uh, Bruce Kulick from Kiss and no I did, shit. I oh that would have been cool for yeah, you man it was awesome yeah we became friends through all that and then uh you know, Billy Joe and Mike Dern from Green Day, they're big fans. Billy Joe played one of uh, uh, our Thunders model, which is <coughs> our, you know... Oh, OG. really? There's a... It's a Thunders model. So what's I, that? I about? call it my Thunders model because I'm a huge Donnie Thunders fan, and it's an ode to a guy who nobody will ever do a signature guitar on. So it's basically the name of my model, so it's a double cut, you know, junior style. But it's also, I do the single cut. It's that style slab, you know... I didn't know that. Or guitar. You got to show me that in there. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, and that's they're all beat cool. up. I age them and they make them look all old and punk rock. And we're gonna work. We're working with the estate actually, uh, Johnny's nephew, and we're gonna do a limited run of a uh, just a LAMF or like a Chinese rocks, and it's gonna come with some bonus stuff. And you know, we're working on that project right now. It's kind of a slow burning one, but we're getting there. Wow. And how about uh, Sylvain Sylvain? Yeah, I have nothing for Sylvain, but I, I do know Sylvain, you know, it'd be great to build something for him and, and get him involved, you know. There's one time he came to Toronto and we had, through a friend, our mutual friend, we had, me and JC had lunch with Sylvain Sylvain and we drove around Toronto and he told us, he gave us a tour of our own city through the New York Dolls experience yeah, yeah. like we, we played there Kiss open for us here <laughs> it's like a bank now and everything uh-huh. in Chinatown I'm like wow, wow that's cool yeah I love stuff like that yeah. he's really cool he's, he's really a nice great guy yeah, yeah. I'm surprised he's, he's amazing I met him through an old friend of mine who, who knew the Dolls from way back and his solo stuff and I got up and did pills one time he came through San Francisco and you know he's like I'm gonna bring the real Jet Boy on stage I'm like oh man you gotta be kidding me come on <laughs> It's just like, you know. I had another band called American Heartbreak uh, through like the late 90s, early 2000s. And we played with the Dolls. Sam got us on the SF show. Oh, oh, like. Uh, when they were doing the reunion stuff, when Sam oh. was in the band with the Dolls. Right, right. Yeah, so. That was like, that was David Johansson and Sylvain Sylvain. Yeah. Exactly. And then dudes from Electric Boys in Hanoi? Uh, it was, uh, well, it was Steve Conti, who's in, Han- and Michael Monroe now. He was the, yeah, he's uh, he, still he was the Mike, Johnny Thunder. Yeah. He's with Michael still, yeah. And I, I don't remember who the drummer was. And then Sammy. Yeah, okay. They did a great record, man. They did and they're two still albums. together with uh, Carl on, on drums and Michael with, with Michael. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm getting 
the dolls mixed up with Michael Monroe. Right. But well, that's, it, that's yeah, that works though. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's cool though. I, did, I didn't know about that Johnny Thunder's model. Yeah, that yeah. is fucking. So it's so I'm doing the estate model, but it's basically I have I name all my models. I have a tally. I call it my Richards, which of course, right? You know, and then I have my new hollow body with these lightning bolt falls. It's my lightning. But my first one that really got me to where, what I'm doing now with this company is my Thunders model. I started doing a TV yellow double cut, and this is my Rock and Roll Relics Thunders model, and now it's it's known as this go-to double cut junior style guitar. Well, it kind of raised my eyebrow, too. I was like, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's pretty cool. <clears throat> that is cool. Now, I'm not a gearhead. I can't talk guitars with you past, wow, that looks cool. <laughs> Well, that's all I got. That's all that matters. <laughs> like, I can't talk about, like, pickups or, you know, like, anything. You know, I, I talked that stuff, but growing up on the stuff I grew up on, I really didn't give a shit about that either. It's like, look, if it felt good and it sounded right, I don't give a shit what's inside it, you know. But there's a deep, you know, obviously yeah. it's what I do. So um, I, I get more into it and, and I, I can go down that rabbit hole a little bit. But I'm a simple, my guitar playing is... is you know, super simple. I like to just plug into a Marshall and just let her rip. Yeah. You know. Yeah. That's kind of what I was schooled on. You know, just half rock and roll, half punk rock in a way. You know, just. Yeah, that's basically the way to do it. Yeah, I think so. I. That's why I hold on to the punk rock side of me is because punk rock wouldn't wouldn't try and learn anything about guitars no I don't think so I don't think Johnny Ramone really gave too much he played the same guitar the same Marshalls and just probably the same volume and everything yeah and you know incredible well (laughs) let me see uh, what else I got here oh yeah on the new Jet Boy, so Andy's not playing drums. No, he didn't play on the, on the album. No, it will was, he? Will he if there's shows? Uh, he did two shows with us. We did over the holidays. We did uh, two shows with Junkyard. Oh, uh, which oh, is cool. another our buddies. You know, oh great, yeah, that's another another great band that's, that's underrated another, and and crossed over. Yeah, like genres like you guys of with of course with Brian Baker. Brian Baker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who exactly? I couldn't when I first saw that. I I couldn't. I still can't compute right. when I saw him. I was, <coughs> I couldn't, I didn't understand. Yeah, I can't minor, even finish a sentence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nasty, and then all of a sudden, wait, he's got long hair and wearing a jean vest with a back patch that says junkyard. I just, I just cut off my hair, man. Yeah. Like, I, I used to have long hair. Right. Uh, it was more like if slash, like a slash type, uh-huh. big bouffant thing. But um, when I saw it, I think in that first junkyard video, he's got a jean vest. Yeah with like patches and long blonde hair and he's like doing all the moves that all the yeah. all the rock and roll bands did I I and then I read an article about him and I saw Minor Threat mm-hmm. and I was like that is the guy <laughs> I couldn't put it, put it together and so of course nowadays Junkyard you guys I it all makes sense now like we're we're past all that right right so that oh, wow okay so you guys played with junkyard yeah we played with junkyard and andy filled in at a couple of shows we have, we have a, a new drummer now our original drummer's not with us he's you know we're still good buddies but anyways um and he could he's got a vegas gig and he couldn't do those two shows so andy filled in it was the same thing with the videos and andy's our oh. bro everybody you know mickey and, and fern from the original members we all know andy so He's well, always ready to roll. Andy and Den were going to do some sort of Motorhead cover thing. 
And I was supposed to sing. They should. I should, I'll tell them. Like, I don't know if I'm supposed to say that, but I was going to sing a, a few songs or a song oh, I'm or sure something. He'd be all into it. But then it never happened. This is going back like right. five, six years. Oh, really? Well, I'll tell Andy that. Yeah, tell Andy. It happen. Let's <laughs> fucking do will, it, man. I will. I want to see it. Get on guitar. <laughs> fucking do it. Dan will be on bass. Yeah, that'll be great. I'll do some fat, sidey stuff. Yeah, that's like, I'm down with that. I'll just sing. Well, it's the easiest part of the gig. Well, yeah, that's not easy for me. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're a monster on stage, so hey. Well, I, 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 I got to sing tonight. Oh, really? I got, yeah, I sang yesterday, but I got to sing tonight at House of Blues for Marty Friedman. Oh, okay. I'm doing two songs. Oh, cool. But it's, and he, I, I sang a song on his album, mm-hmm. and he wants to do one of our songs. We've never played live before. And so I'm going to sing a song of ours that I've never sung live, but I don't have a guitar. It was great. It felt so freeing. Oh, really? Oh, that's yeah. cool. It's wicked being just the singer, man. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. It's super cool. And you can kind of, you can kind of deke out of like loading gear and loading yeah, in and out. You like you totally out duck out. Oh, no, yeah, for sure. There's so many excuses yeah. singers have. Just yeah. carry a mic stand. <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's why that's why I am a singer. Like if if you're da- what are you a guitar player or a singer? I'm like, well, I do like to duck out of loading, so I'm a singer, man, by default. <laughs> that's <man. a> good <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm a singer. I can't. Fake oh, it. classic. Yeah, but oh, that's cool, man. I think I got. Oh, I can. Uh, so Chris Shiflet was. On your album, yeah, he played he played a solo on on one of the songs. And the funny thing that uh, Chris, there were three guys. It was Luke Tierney who actually produced this new record. He was in a band called uh, Silverjet. They were they were on Virgin, great record if you could find it. And then Chris Shiflett, who we all know, and then this guy Marco, who was in this band Sugar Cult. They were all Santa Barbara kids. Had a band called Lost Kittens, and they grew up driving to LA as kids and then coming to see Jetboy. They were all huge Jetboy fans. So in actually our first video, the Feel the Shake video, those three guys are in it and you can actually see Chris. So when oh, it came time it. to doing the record of Luke, I go, let's get Chris to play a solo. You know, he's into this super country stuff now. He's a ripping guitar player. It could, the song kind of could use something like that. And he was like, tell me when and where. I'm in it. I'm That's in. Amazing. Yeah, it was great. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I was surprised. I didn't know there was a connection. I just thought it was just L.A. networking yeah, collection. Total, total Jetboy connection. Of he's in Feel the Shake. He's in. It. Yeah, I haven't freeze-framed the uh, the video, but he's the one who told me. Right. Oh, you could see me in it. Oh, cool. Like, that's awesome. It's probably in that's, the back. It's funny how the wheel turns, though, years later, and then look at him now. He's like the biggest yeah. band in the world. Yeah, pretty oh, much. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's... That's great. I think I have, I have 27 minutes. Okay. <laughs> so I usually do a five to eight minute intro. Right. Love I don't. It. I don't really like. I don't really like to do more than 45 minutes. Right. So. Yeah. Whatever works. I'm, I'm good. Okay. I'm just down with this, doing this. I can geek out more and more. We can talk motorhead. I mean, we could talk. Like, I mean, if we down and back up. If we open those doors up, there's no turning back. Yeah, exactly. Like I don't know. You got to go back to your, yeah, to your your uh, yeah. booth, and I. I gotta not run out of battery. Right. But uh, yeah, you should come back. We'll talk about Kiss or Motorhead yeah, or yeah, both. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely, I got a ton of Motorhead stories. You did. You, yeah, you mentioned a few in the email, and I was uh-huh. like, oh fuck, we could just uh-huh. talk about that. But yeah. then playing on stage with us, and, and, 
used to pick him up. I picked him up at his apartment once when he sang demos with us and did the spoken word thing that's actually on this new record. <laughs> he opened the gate with his short shorts on and, you know, sat down on his couch and we'd wait for him to get ready. And he pulls out a buck knife, stuck it in a bag of speed and goes, you want any? <laughs> really? I said, no, I'm all right. And he swallowed it. I'll never forget that. God bless him. And the the vo- the spoken vocals he did. When did he do that? He recorded that in '92. He did, and it's on this new album. It's on this new album, we lifted it from this thing called the Reading, which was an intro to an old song that we put out on some small label years ago. And we just it just it's beating the odds. It's got that kind of old priest Motorhead vibe, and we just thought, you know, Fern said he goes, we should lift a part of the Reading, and it's it's perfect. So it's also perfect timing because we just lost the legend and. studio watching them say turn up the headphones and we're like they're already on 12 <laughs> can't go any louder you know that was in 92 that was in 92 mick was in there singing with him he goes i couldn't hear myself because his headphones were so goddamn loud and he was just calm as can be saying turn it up louder i uh, sang with motorhead a few times yeah I know and it's the loudest fucking it's blistering it's you can't hear yourself no you can't it's just complete and it's insane it's like an airplane. You're, you're standing beside an airplane. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Motorhead's one of the greatest. It's crazy. It's all Ace of Spades tour as a kid. A small club. Wow. Changed my life. Wow, man. Wow, we'll, we'll come. We'll do a fucking another oh, yeah, episode or whatever. Yeah, we can do that for sure. Yeah. We'll do it again. This, is, this has been great. Good, good. Thanks for... I'm a big fan of you, so... Thanks for taking time out. Nico Jones is a... You guys are a phenomenal band. Thank you. Thank you, Billy. Thank you. the new record. Yeah, it's coming out soon. I'm ready. It's partly why I'm here, too. Yeah, we gotta, you know... That's what you gotta do. All right, man. All right, good times. Cool. Which way the